0: My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host. Aliano, Senior Writer at ProBible.com, and I am joined by my new co-host, Cade Onder, Senior Gaming News Writer at ScreenRant.com. Today, we is nowhere near as full as last week's. I feel like Cade, not picked, but the universe picked a great week for Cade to show up for his first show because we were talking Doctor Strange and Batman and... Boba and tons of just mainstream top-tier content. So while today may be a step down in terms of what we're talking about, we're still going to try to have just fun doing it. To begin, we are going to talk about a movie that I don't think exists. <laughs> I've been joking that, I mean, as I've talked about on this show quite a bit, I have a long-standing one-sided beef with Jared Leto, partly because I think he's overrated and he got an Oscar for a good performance, but it was more bark than bite. I just thought it was a lot of like costuming that it was an actual performance. And then of course, there's the whole thing with the Joker and Mm -hmm. how terrible that film was. So I am not somebody who you could qualify as excited for his upcoming film, Morbius. However, just this week, I did write a post where I was relatively complimentary of it where, and this is before the news that it was being pushed back, where I was saying like, if it could embrace that Venom vibe and act like it came out in the year 2006 and embrace its silliness, that I would probably enjoy it. Lo and behold, the day later it was announced at the film. This is now the movie's seventh release date. It was originally supposed to hit theaters, <laughs> I believe in uh, July of 2020. It's been bumped back seven times. So it's now been bumped back from January 28th of this year to april 1st and kate i want to ask you if you, do you think because i think you had brought up last i'm not sure if it was you who brought this up last week but you had said that they were tr- were hoping to capitalize on the no way home wave did you say that
1: uh i said something like that on twitter at least or, okay. or maybe i did on twitter yeah yeah, yeah yeah um like something that i was uh and this was actually uh reaffirmed by someone else on twitter was uh uh, after this delay news had come out, um, I was like, I bet you they're pushing it because No Way Home has longer legs than they maybe initially had thought. And they want they don't want to interfere with that box office. And we're just like, let's give this some room to breathe. We got Uncharted and stuff, so we still have, you know, a good, you know, movie after No Way Home dies off. Prue, and that's then- something
0: I hadn't thought about that they haven't bumped back Uncharted. Yeah.
1: And then uh someone else, uh, I don't know if you follow them on Twitter, uh, viewer anon, I think is the no, their no. name. But great they, name. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a pretty popular scooper on Twitter, I guess. And usually they're pretty dead on with stuff. They said that somebody at, at Sony or, or someone they know with that's familiar with these plans was like, that's the exact reason. And so I was like, oh,
0: what that right, no great. way
1: home is doing better than they thought
0: it would, and that yeah, and so there-
1: they, they pushed it so that it could still kind of have those legs
0: interesting because i was gonna say that i think a more fair comparison for this film in terms of box office was probably matrix more so than no way home in terms of its scale to be fair the matrix 4 you could also stream at home on the same day so it's not quite the same but i was wondering if they more got cold feet for the fact that and if you include films like uh, Nightmare Alley that people weren't going out to theaters except for something massive like No Way Home so really those are two sides of the same coin right they're delaying it because they either think that they could do better if they wait or they think they'll do worse if they do it right now so that's yeah and Um, it's more so are they doing it for the positive reason like I wonder (laughs) right like I wonder if The Matrix 4 and Nightmare Alley and sort of B-level films had done better, would they have still made this move?
1: Yeah, because like, I don't think it's necessarily a COVID problem. Like, I, I think those movies just, like, I don't know if anyone would have gone and, I just think post-COVID, the the landscape has changed for movies, right? Like, maybe people are just like, I'll wait, because now we know movies come out a month later on, on DVD or streaming, right? Like, we don't have to go immediately if you're not dying to see it. Does it really matter? I don't know. But I don't think it's like, ooh, COVID cases are shooting up. Because, you know, like you said, I guess Morbius and No Way Home are not the same movie. Because one of them stars a- let up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, even Venom did pretty well. I think if you just have the Marvel logo on there, maybe it'll perform. I know Eternals kind of had a softer opening and mm-hmm. stuff. But we'll see. It's a movie that I'm like, I don't know what what to gauge with it. Because like I don't think... Well, the it's thing a, a, a with the <laughs> Sony films
0: is that I I go into them with such low hype that I wind up enjoying them because yeah. to quote MJ in No Way Home, if you expect <laughs> to be disappointed, you won't be. And that's sort of how Absolutely. I felt about this. And the trailer has some redeeming qualities. You know, if it was rated R, would be a lot, a lot more so, gas so. for it. Yeah. Um, but it's not, right? I I doubt it. And they also have all the Spider-Man multiverse elements, which is certainly intriguing for the sake of how heavily they're leaning into it. There's a reference to Toby's world, Garfield's world, Venom's world, and the No Way Home world. If you take the murderer spray paint as a reference to what happened. Michael Keaton. Right, exactly. So there's a hard link there as well. So they're sticking their hands at all four, if you count Venom, Spider-Man worlds. And the consequences of that are fascinating because is he in a timeline where all of these things exist at once? Like, how exactly does that all work? (laughs) And I think that that is something that someone like me, who doesn't really care about the character or the performer playing him, am intrigued by and would... You know, I would go because I would get sent to a screener. Would I seek this out on my own? Probably not. <laughs> but it's something that I would I, I want to see for that purpose. And I'm always game for a sort of darker is a strong word because it looks silly, but he's a vampire, right? Sure. Like It is inherently darker than, yeah. you know, a teenage kid who shoots webs from his wrist. Right. So I suppose this is the safe move for them. I don't know if it's the right move, right? Because by the time that that comes out, it'll be on the legs of Batman and in the head of, and and leading up to Doctor Strange 2. So, and especially now during this month where it's sort of the notorious dead zone of films where nothing comes out. This could have been their chance to be the only game in town and they've chosen to pass that up.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's such an interesting movie. Did you ever watch the 90s Spider-Man cartoon? When you uh,
0: I, Not as an adult, but as a kid. Okay.
1: Yeah, Morbius was in that. And because of the way children's shows worked in the 90s, instead of sucking blood with his face, they did something really gross and they made like these pull up things like like suckers on his hands super uh-huh. disgusting probably worse than just <laughs> having him you know use fangs right or if he
0: bit your neck you can't even see what's going on right Like it's
1: just like awful <laughs> i i hated it um and so like there's uh, maybe you know i don't know if people are gonna really remember that character from there or, or whatever but i could think um, of his
0: look immediately as soon as you brought it up i'm like oh yeah yeah that, he's kind of like it.
1: this weird i don't even know how to describe him but uh And he's got some beef with Blade. So if they are using the MCU in some way, maybe Jared Leto comes back and fights Mahershala Ali's Blade. I don't know. Uh, Well, and I think that that's what's,
0: uh, I think that that's what's key about this film is it's the first of the Sony Spider-Man films that's post No Way Home. Venom 2 came out before. So you couldn't quite understand the consequences of what was going on in No Way Home until you saw it. Now that we have that context, this will be sort of the confirmation of what the multiverse is going to be from this point forward, and that's right. why I think it's it's depending on how they play it, strange in a good or bad way. The fact <laughs> that every universe seems to just be fucking thrown on in there.
1: Yeah, and it, honestly, it could just be a. Uh... A lack of um, coherence, I guess. Right. <laughs> right. They just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah,
0: which wouldn't shock me in no. the slightest. Now, before we move on, I just want to read out a hilarious tweet that I saw from Dylan O'Brien, who starred in one of those um, either Divergent... Maze Runner. What? Maze Runner. Maze Runner, right, right. And I actually think he's pretty good. Hilarious tweet. He quote tweeted that, Uh, like a tweet that said the film was being pushed back and said, I've heard this is super good. So they keep having to push it back because we aren't able to handle it yet because it's that good that we need more time to evolve as a species (laughs) to be better prepared to handle a movie this good. So obviously the culture seems to generally accept that this is a silly project. But again, I thought Venom 2 was ridiculous and I loved it. So if they hit that same note, I'm game for it. Next topic. This one's exciting. Keanu Reeves to make his American TV debut in Hulu's Devil in the White City, which will be executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese. Now, those two were originally supposed to be the face of this. Leo bought the rights to the film back in 2010, and it was originally set to be a Scorsese-helmed film at Paramount. It has been in development for a long time, and I sort of think that killers of the flower moon scratched the itch that they were trying to like scratch like the itch that they had with this yeah. film killers of flower moon sort of took its place the film will tell the story of the 1893 world's columbian exposition which is pretty much like the world's fair like something that we saw mm. in uh, iron man 2 in mm. chicago from the viewpoint of its designers including famed architect daniel burnham and also tells the story of HH H. Holmes, a criminal figure in that same time that is often credited as the first modern serial killer. Now, if that's not a tagline, I don't know what is, right? Yeah. Now, I have tried to read this book a few years ago once I oh, really? once I heard about who was involved in it, and it's dense. It is a <laughs> it's a it's a non It's a true story and they okay. focused just as much of the building as of the world's fair Mm -hmm. as they do on like the cool killing part. Right. So you really got to trudge through let's put it as non movie favorable content to get to the good stuff. Right. (laughs) But that's why it's perfect for TV because they could pick and choose any elements they want. What I'm fascinated about is Reeves, who has built up a persona, let's say, as probably the most likable guy in Mm -hmm. business. I'm curious to see if he'll be playing the architect, which is inherently compared to a killer, a more boring role, and also likely wouldn't bring him in to to cross paths with said killer, which I imagine is something that you would want from a show like this. Will he be playing the killer, which would be casting Reeves against type, or will he'll be playing like a made up character, like a cop that's sort of at the center of it all? Where do you see Reeves fitting into this
1: project? So I I was I'm not like super familiar with the source material, so I don't know how like creepy the killer is supposed to be. Well, he makes
0: like a like so he uses and I only really got halfway through the book, but Uh. he uses all the construction going on in the city to at the same time in his apartment build like a serial killer room, like a secret kind of murder
1: dungeon. (laughs) So he's fucked is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can't, I can't picture him like that. Like Keanu Reeves, like as much as I like him, um, he's not very good at depth depth. Yeah. So like, if I'm going to pick somebody, it's probably going to be like a copy. Like you said, like there, there's enough there that he can play with that and give a little bit of range there. But if I'm trying to be scared of somebody or be like, this guy's weird and crazy uh, I don't think he's the guy, but Uh, that's not to say I'm not interested in seeing whichever role he does take on because that's cool.
0: (laughs) And if he were to take on the role of uh, H.H. Holmes, you know, I give people credit for trying to expand what they could do, right? He's been playing the good guy for 25, 30 years. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't, I mean, I guess uh, if you count the day the earth stood still, like he's, I guess, kind of a bad guy in that since he's from another um... world, but I can't think of a film where he's been the outright villain.
1: I would say not a film, but Cyberpunk 2077. He's <laughs> kind of like an antagonist. Not it, it depends on how you play the game, but he can be kind of a, a thorn in your side, I suppose.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, but he's still, that's not a one-for-one one co- yeah, comparison between exactly. being a fucking historical serial yeah. killer. Yes. Uh, you have a good gaming note here.
1: Yeah. Um, about this film. the uh, The book... Uh, heavily inspired the world of Bioshock Infinite. Have you played that game?
0: That's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah.
1: Um. So the
0: story I, is like I still every few months am like taken back by like the ending. I'll just remember the ending and be like, man,
1: that was it's a, a it's wild. a mind trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. That 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 game was uh, took a lot of inspiration from you know like you were saying the the book is dense because of the world they're trying to build and the game took a lot from that to build out it's very elaborate cloud city and how intricate it all is. And, um, the world fair element of it all. It's, it's very, you know, I, I haven't read the book, but when I just glanced at like the summary and stuff, I was like, yeah, I can, I can get why they took stuff from here and put it in. Um, they don't take place at the exact same time. And they're like 20 or 30 years apart, but, um, cause, uh, Bioshock takes place in the late 1800s. Does it um, really? Yeah. Yeah i think i think it's oh no wait no isn't it like does the book take place yeah it's sorry uh the the game takes place in 1912 right okay so it's like right as we're going into world war one or whatever um and yeah it takes place in this elaborate cloud city where it's largely just white people and there's a lot of racism and a lot of really scary stuff going on and uh the, the story as far as i can tell is not Remotely connected to the story of Bioshock. Infinite no, but it does have
0: world. a like a detective noir vibe. To yeah, it. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you are kind of playing this guy looking for this missing girl or whatever. You know, uh, it's been a while since I've played it, but and they um, literally have noir scenes of him. Yeah, in his, in his in sort of yeah.
0: office, smoking cigarettes. So yeah, go just ahead.
1: The, just a cool little piece of trivia, I guess. Because I was, I was like, I had heard the title of that book recently when reading about Bioshock Infinite for something else, and I was like oh, that's crazy. What a weird connection. So. Yeah,
0: and and as soon as I saw that note, I was like, yep, yeah, I could absolutely see it because yeah. the world is Columbia, I believe, has a very world Fair yeah, vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, two quick notes about those games. Bioshock 3, I was playing in my senior year of college. And we, like my friends and I were were going out that night and I was at the end of the game. Uh, so I was like, I I gotta wrap this up now. (laughs) And, uh, and my friend comes into my room with a beer. He's like, yo, come on, let's go. We got to go out. I'm like, dude, I cannot right now. I'm in the depths of this. (laughs) He doesn't know what game I'm playing. He had never watched me play it before, but he caught the ending. And sat with me in silence for the next like 30 minutes until the game was done. He was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was awesome. Yeah. And that's just how truly, I mean, if you've never played this game or don't have an intent to just Google the ending of it. And it is such a, it's such a folding in on itself, mind fuckery story that it is like what the multiverse could be in the best case scenario, yeah. right? Second point is, I believe we're getting an, uh, an official update on Bioshock 4 this year. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's the... So they've already like technically announced the game. They didn't do any like sort of fanfare off a trailer or even a logo. Uh, it was more like something during an investor's call like several years ago. They're like, we're doing it. Yeah, that. Yep. Us. Yep. And then um the rumblings have been that the game will be announced later this year and takes place in an Arctic city.
0: I heard it's going to take place in two cities.
1: Yeah, it seems like one is above ground and one's like underground or something. And so there's like this warring thing where like the upper city's like really, you know, well off. And then the other, well, lower city is like a dictatorship. It's awful. And it, it's almost kind of merging, you know, the different ideas from all the different Bioshock games and being like, here it is. And we're pushing them together.
0: Of all the gaming IP out there, this is the one that shocks me the most, that they've not turned it into a film or a show. I know, I think Tell Toro tried once, right?
1: Uh, Who's or... the? Gore Verbinski.
0: Right. He and... tried once, and they haven't kicked the tires on it since. But I think if you look at TV shows like Wheel of Time, which is not a game, but it's an expansive right. world, or yeah. Halo. If we're making shows like this, yeah, Bioshock can absolutely be done.
1: I think one day it'll happen whether it's like a, a series or something like you especially said especially the think, third game more yeah, so than it's, the it's first it's yeah so like i i read the script for the first movie i i read it like a year ago oh, and really? it was it heavily follows the plot of the first game but condensed and does change some things it's crazy um well and, and it was r too right he only yeah wanted it was to like it hard was r, r. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. were like pretty close to moving forward with it but the budget on it was so fucking huge yeah and i mean it's um, an
0: underworld city that's gonna cost you a fucking yeah, time and they man. wanted
1: to do all the sets for pretty much for real and stuff like that and wow. uh wow. it just fell apart pretty close to the end and i know i've heard so many different actors be like i wanted this movie like i was gunning for it i forget who it was i think a uh, guy from 50 shades of gray
0: um okay jamie dornan
1: yes uh he was Interesting. like I, I was gunning for this i wanted it and he was competing against uh someone else that he was uh, roommates with i forget who it was it's another uh-huh. big actor and ryan reynolds was apparently interested in it too and so like everyone wanted to be part of this movie and it, it really is a shame that it didn't happen would it have been successful i have no idea it's such a heady concept you know that i it's it's a hard sell but um well you know, it's a really y'all successful game.
0: if if you haven't played those games, or if you have, the remastered package, which is all three yeah. games, I think it's only like 20, 30 bucks yeah. and is
1: absolutely worth it. It's on about everything, including the Nintendo Switch. So yeah. you can. Find uh, yeah, the,
0: right, the exactly. All right. Speaking of gaming, I'm Kate, I'm going to let you take the floor and tell us about what went down at CES.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I think it's still ongoing. Um, there's not a lot, uh, gaming wise, but, um, I will, uh, I'll base off our notes here. Um, well, I guess the, the biggest takeaway so far has been, uh, Sony announced, uh, the PlayStation VR two. They had said stuff about it last year, but this was their first time really going in depth on it. Um, they haven't said release date or pricing, but rumors suggest it's going to come out later this year, which would make sense since they're starting to talk about it more. Um, so the first one was almost kind of like this uh, half-assed attempt at let's see what we can do with it. They recycled PlayStation Three motion controllers, used regular PlayStation Four cameras, and then had this new headset that was fine, but uh, it didn't take off quite as much as people wanted it to. But there was an attempt, and people saw the potential. And Sony is like, "All right, I think we can we can do this if we invest in it." So they're going like balls to the walls. Like it's gonna be like one of the most advanced VR headsets yet Um, has 4K HDR picture in the headset. And um, I think it's like 110 degrees uh, field of view. And then the headset will vibrate on your head to give you um feedback so if you're like driving in a car you'll feel like rushes of wind or whatever that's insane yeah it's 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 weird and awesome and i love it and they've just to
0: speak to your point about their half ass swing at first i've long said that i don't care about vr and i think I said this on the show to you last week i don't care about vr until i can become the batman right and the arkham game vr was one of the big ones that they rolled out right yeah and I was yeah. thinking to myself, oh fucking finally we're yeah.
1: here. But then I read up on it and it was like, this yeah. is a joke. Yeah, you kind of just stand there and look around at stuff. Uh, you don't fight anyone, as far as I can remember. Uh it's yeah. it's pretty lame. But um, it's cool for like you know, a tech demo and showing what it is, but yeah, it's whatever. Um, but these new controllers seem a lot more involved, um, and more kin to the controllers that they've been using on the more PC heavy, uh, VR headsets. Mm -hmm. Um, so that will allow a much more wider range of interactivity and immersion, um, which is crucial to VR. And, um, how close are we to it being a viable lane
0: in gaming? Is this it or are we still five, 10 years out? I
1: think this could be it. Wow. Um, because I don't know if you've heard about, have you heard of Half-Life Alex? No. Um, You know, oh, what please is, right? tell
0: me. I've heard of it, but I've never really understood it. Okay. What it is.
1: Um. Well, it's it's the sci-fi series, and it's it's really cool. Uh, I won't go too deep into it because it's very extensive. But Half-Life Alex was this revival of the series that pretty much died, like in 2007, because they were going to make Half-Life Three and it never happened, and it was very disappointing. So, a couple years ago, I think actually last year or no, 2020 um they released half-life alex and it was this really big deal cuz it was the comeback of the series and potentially may lead to an actual half-life 3 but the the key part of it was it was vr and it was this incredibly interactive thing where you could pick up a marker in the game and draw and write and um oh, wow. your guns like felt like you're cocking the gun you're reloading it you're doing all these things every little thing you are doing yourself and and that's kind of that barrier that's always been there like it always feels like especially with those move controllers on the original psvr there's no it's just like buttons it's not like you're clamping down on anything you're just pressing a button and it feels like it's taking you out of it it feels like it's just a controller right right you want to be able to feel like it's your hands doing something and latching right. onto to stuff and and they're getting there and so i think wow This could be it. If it's not this, it's whatever the next thing is, I think. Gotcha. Because they're really fucking close. And
0: when does someone like you get
1: this thing out? (laughs) God, I, I hope soon. Like I would like, you know, later this summer or something. That that seems like probably when they'll start talking about it more. Um, Sony doesn't go to E3 anymore. Um, just because they're like, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, but you know, maybe they'll have something around that time since everyone will be in LA or whatever. And mm-hmm. people will go there and try that. Um, but I would expect this thing to be out by the holiday season.
0: Wow. Okay. Dope. A uh, few more notes from CES. Sony confirms a uh, ghost of Sushima film. Yep. Played that game. Loved it. This reminded me that I need to re-download it and play it again. They reconfirmed a Twisted Metal series, which was confirmed a few months ago with Anthony yeah. Mackey attached to it. And they also showed a first look at Brad Pitt's Bullet Train, which I'm yeah. hyped for. They pretty much scrubbed it from the web as soon as they dropped it, but you yeah. saw it. So why don't you give us a taste of that?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to somebody we both know, uh, Jacob from Discussing Film, and was like, there were people who were trying to figure out if... Uh, they they could talk, and share, go or yeah. share
0: photos. That's what I asked you. I was like, can I tweet about Yeah, this?
1: and it seems like Sony's like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, you made this public. Like this was out there. Uh, everyone could see it. You just if they watch live. Yeah, it was super strange. But anyways, so um, oh, Brad, so we're not. So we can't talk about it. We can talk about it. Okay, that's just like I guess you can't show anything. Yeah, um, yeah. So when
0: I did tweet about it, I didn't use. The, that was smart. The, the yeah. picture of Brad Pitt that you sent me, and just use the standard stock Brad Pitt photo.
1: That's totally fair. Um, but the 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 little clip that they showed is Brad Pitt sits down at a table in a and bucket he, hat in and a bucket glasses in glasses, <laughs> and he sits down across from uh Brian Tegri's Henry, and uh he holds a fake gun up under the table. He's like, I have a gun, and he's like we're in the quiet car of this train. Can you, can you not? And he's like, I have a gun. And then he, he smacks his hand into the table. And then Brad Pitt slams his, uh, Brian Tyree Henry's hand into like a laptop. And they're like quietly fighting and bickering, trying not to yell. And it's like this weird comedic thing. And then it just ends. So I it's like, I think that surprised bizarre.
0: me most was that it, it's fun. It seems like it's going to be funnier than I thought it was going to be, which, which is fine with me. Cause as we know from, brad pitt's last role he could do funny and in films like burn after reading he can do funny so if you combine the fight choreography of david leach with brad pitt doing his brad pitt thing with sort of a subversive sense of humor that's exciting
1: i also just remembered so that that ghost of tsushima thing was actually confirmed like last summer or whatever but they're like
0: oh yeah 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 but not by sony right
1: yeah i don't know who it was but um chad stahelski is directing that um oh the guy who did the really? John Wick movies so that's pretty huge um
0: that guy's busy because i think he's also doing
1: highlander yeah well yeah.
0: jesus christ wow so, good for him
1: Fuck yeah. yeah yeah uh obviously like video game movies i'm always skeptical of them not because of quality but i'm like will it even happen but this is like... a
0: samurai movie these have existed yeah, for true. decades upon decades
1: yeah, the, it's just
0: got the IP name on it that exactly. they could brand it with. But it's a samurai movie.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I want to make sure this movie happens. But I'm always like, I hear movies about video games coming and going all the time. Like Bioshock, right? We talked about that earlier. Like, I don't know. uh, But that seems like something that they want to do. PlayStation's been like betting hard on entertainment. The Last of Us, Twisted Metal, Uncharted. Ghost of Tsushima seems like the next likely step because they just reviewed that game, sold 8 million copies. It's fucking yeah, huge.
0: Yeah, um, is that what's kind of the benchmark for being thought of as huge? Five million copies?
1: I would say at least five million. I mean, if you can sell even three, that's uh-huh. pretty good. Like, uh, wow, that's, okay, that's you know huge. Um, wow, that's, that's like such a
0: small number. I feel like there's it tens does. of millions of gamers. at
1: Yeah, like, hundreds of millions of gamers. Yeah, uh, I guess you know, for a, a, a franchise like this, it's a single player series, you know, and it's uh, it's a new series too, right? So. It, there's a, a barrier there that it has to overcome but um once you know th- the fact that it's still selling is really important too they just did a remaster for ps5 a few months ago but um you know a lot of games they they have that big burst first month or two and then maybe double back around the holidays but Uh, For a game to continue selling is is usually a very promising sign, and obviously Sony sees promises in that.
0: Here's what I think that they tapped into, right? The Batman Arkham games did so well because it was basically a Batman RPG, right? Yes. The Assassin's Creed games do so well because they find new worlds to bring you into while it's still being an RPG yeah, this was the first samurai RPG that I could really think of. So as long as you could yeah. keep finding new worlds to inject the RPG format into it, I think those games will always do well.
1: Yeah, and and that game has a very cinematic flair to it. Oh, it's beautiful! It's great to see how good it looks. Games, yeah. you know, it's it, it's hard to to give that cinematic you know feeling while still allowing players agency and freedom to do it. So when you're in a field of like really bright colored flowers and you're just slashing people's arms off and blood squirting on the yeah yeah and the sun is like setting in tarantino vibes yeah and you're just like holy shit this is like fucking like a tarantino movie or something and it looks gorgeous but you know the game isn't doing it it's all part of me and that's that's a great feeling and that's when you know you have you've succeeded right that perfect sony
0: i mean look we're seeing it across the board nintendo has got that Highly controversial Mario film coming out. <laughs> yeah, uh, Xbox has got Halo. Yeah, coming out. So both the symbiotic relationship between streamers trying to mine video game IP. Yeah, and video games trying to jump the bridge into entertainment. It's yeah. for people like us. Is if it's executed well, it's an exciting thing.
1: Yeah. We haven't really seen a lot of successes. Like the Tomb Raider movie uh, with Mm. Alicia Vikander was like, okay. I was like, all right, this is good. Detective Pikachu is like, I don't even really count it. Like it's, it's its own thing almost at that point. Um, The Last
0: of Us, I have high, high hope. That seems
1: like that's going to be like, holy fuck. They finally did it. Like something we can all say, like, this is great. Like this is it. And that's because at its core, that series is awesome. And they have key people involved from the game working on
0: the This is not quite a one-to-one but what were your thoughts on free guy
1: oh um i actually really enjoyed that movie um i i went in expecting to roll my eyes a bunch but like i, I get a bad rap i get it like it's it's because it's, and stuff, it's but... such
0: a derivative ip yeah. monster i also found it to be charmingly earnest so it yeah. was a weird little balance that they struck all right Moving on from gaming, that was a great chat. I'm glad to have your insight yeah. on that world. Uh, this is a space that I'm going to clear out for you because <laughs> I have not seen this show yet. I have thought about seeking it out many times throughout the years. We could perhaps talk a bit why myself and those mm-hmm. like me have yet to do it, but please go ahead.
1: So you've never, ever watched the original series of Dexter? No, I have okay. not. Well, first off, I'll just say it's it's on Amazon. I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. Oh seasons. Okay. That's interesting Um, to me. Okay. Yeah. So you that's not a
0: well known enough fact. Like they need to be like because when you hear that it's on Showtime, you assume you've got to go out and get Showtime.
1: Yep uh it it was on netflix like during its like original run many many moons ago but then they moved it to to amazon and like i said i think it's on hulu as well and you can get the first episode of new blood the revival series on um on on those platforms as well it's on youtube as well so you can access the show pretty easily anywhere um so uh this is like one of my favorite shows of all time even Even before this even before this. Yeah. Like it's, it's so good. And when it ended in 2013, I was like, okay, you know, it's always been hailed as like this show has one of the worst endings of all time. And I won't say what happens for those interested. It doesn't, I guess, matter too much anymore since the show continued, but um, it it wasn't great. And I was like, you know what? I enjoyed the journey. A lot of the show is really good. So I can forgive it enough, but I really said my goodbyes. I'm like, all right, that's it. And then in like summer of 2020 they're like we're coming back baby and i'm like (laughs) fuck this is crazy i i did not expect it and i was like oh god are they rebooting it from scratch are they starting over with a different actor like no michael c hall is involved and he's the key to this show and is it it, does it pick up from when the original run ended or
0: is it erasing that widely hated final (laughs) season
1: they do a very good job of being like we're gonna embrace what happened and uh the real time has passed so you know that show ended about eight years ago eight years have passed in the show okay gotcha um and it it certainly owns up to everything that happens in that last episode and that's actually critical to this season um because mild spoilers here but uh in in the last episode he abandons his uh child and goes away because he's a serial killer and he feels like he just brings bad to everybody. People get hurt because of him and die. Bad vibes, because of bad him. vibes. Yeah. So he's like, <laughs> I don't want this to happen to you. And I certainly do not want you to Im- like- uh, Be raised inherit- by me. Or- yeah, 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 and, and inherit my-, my dark tendencies, my serial killer tendencies and become a, a killer like me. So like, I'm abandoning this kid and I'm going somewhere else. So um, he does that, and this show picks up with him having not killed anyone since that last season, and uh, he's living in a small town in New York, and obviously, since we're returning, he's he's killing again now. Uh, he uh, he finds a reason to get drawn back into killing, um, and he only kills bad people. This whole thing is they have to fit a certain code that they got through the justice system, and... Right now, justice falls on his hands.
0: Right. Interesting. That's a great
1: plot uh, Yeah, it's really cool. And so uh, things go bad because he hasn't killed in so long. So he's rusty. And um, (laughs) that sets up shit for him to fall into. And then in the first episode, his kid tracks him down and is like, why didn't you want me? Where'd you go? Why'd you fake your death trying to get away from me? And all this terrible stuff. And he can't really tell him. Right. And so it sets up this whole drama of like, well, you left me and I have nowhere to go. So like what what now? And it's trying to mend their relationship and, and interesting stuff. And, you know, I don't want to get too into spoilers, so I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. But um, this has been like a huge fucking hit for Showtime. Um, Dexter's always been their biggest show and that's part of the reason why. More guess,
0: so than um, Shameless?
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, as far as I understand, yes. Um, the Uh, the initial ending, I guess, was they were going to kill him off. But Showtime's like, no, you can't. We don't want that to happen. We need this to possibly come back eventually. So, and it's a good thing they didn't because now it's working out for them in their favor and they're able to come back and do it again. But um, On both
0: ends, right? The channel is able to cash in and the
1: creatives are able to tell a better story. Exactly. That was like a big thing for them. They're like, so... The way the last episode is this Saturday, and um the they've kept it very vague. They're like they're advertising it as a mini-series, one and done, that's it. Right. But in some interviews, they've also been like, We'll see what happens. Right. I don't know if that's just because they don't want to give away that he dies or something more conclusive. Right. Um, but uh the show's doing so well that I have to be like, there's no way they just let this go. Like, um, so the the first episode aired on November seventh. And on December 21st, they reported that the premiere's viewership rose to 8.2 million viewers. Wow! Um, Now, for comparison, wow, um, that's yeah.
0: I have a note here: the Hawkeye finale was watched by 1.3 million households in its first five days. The Book of Boba Fett premiere was watched by 1.7 million in its first five. So
1: that is fucking huge. Exactly. And and um, even in like its first, uh, you know, few days like that, if you want to be more comparative, I think it was still like close to three million or something like that. Um, wow. And
0: I did not expect them to be that big.
1: Yeah. And and I think it was episode eight or seven um, hit like a peak or something. So like it's kept growing like it is still bringing people on um, as it goes on. And, uh, the original, I was looking at this, the season eight premiere was the most watched extra episode at that time with more than 3 million viewers total for all airings that night. Um, and then the finale drew 2.8 million viewers, um, at that time. So it really shows you that people have probably latched on this show over the years on Amazon and Netflix and all this stuff and grabbed onto it and been like, we want more. And now it's finally happening. And so everyone's kind of getting on board with this and, Fingers crossed, the show has a good finale. Cause like so far, the show's been incredibly consistent, incredibly high quality. Um, you know, let's not say it's completely perfect, but for those looking for redemption, it is totally offered it. Um, I know some people who are like, I don't want to go back because they fucking let me down the first time and they broke my trust.
0: Right. It's the thrones thing, right? People exactly. say, I'm not going to watch House of the Dragon because of how Game of Thrones' final season went down, to which I say, does anyone think about <laughs> Michael Jordan's time on the fucking Wizards? Yeah. No! <laughs> you revere him for what he did during his prime. So I hate the argument of denying yourself of enjoyable content because of, what, yeah. 10% of the project exactly. overall? I, I yeah. hate that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm like, if you don't like that, I think that's a perfect excuse to come back because it's, it's hitting all of the right notes. It's, it's good fan service, but tasteful and minimal enough that it's not overshadowing the original story that they're trying to tell. And in service of, you know, the show is always like Dexter is like always talking about like, I'm not human. Everything I do is just a fucking lie. Like he just has a girlfriend and family because it's a good cover. Um, but as time goes on, you see that kind of loosen up when it's just him and his kid and he's tucking him in for bed and brushing his teeth. You're like, right. Oh, there's some tenderness here for him. And, um, for a guy that's not supposed to be very emotional because he is a psychopath. <laughs> um, when you see those moments where he is emotional and it's not like he's borderline bawling or anything, but you see tears in his eyes, you see real genuine emotion. It hits, it hits really hard. Um, there's a, a moment in the most latest episode that is super small. It's not like anything huge, but it's just a sweet gesture that if you've been along for this ride this whole time and you see his face, you're like, fuck, that hits. Like, that's yeah. hardcore. Uh, I I genuinely, like, cried a little bit. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Is-
0: and I wonder... and. Lost is not a show that is going to come back, but it's, the first one, but it's the first one that came to my mind where it's beloved show, reviled ending. I wonder if this is going to inspire a trend of channels kicking the tires on their old hits to see if teams would want to come back.
1: I think that that's a really good point because like I said, like, if you do this and you do it well, because like I guess over the years, Michael C. Hall has been approached by Showtime and writers like with many, many ideas, like, do you want to do this? And he's like, not yet, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And then um, Showtime had called up the guy who was the showrunner for the first four seasons of the original show. And they're like, I think he's ready. And so he went over to Michael C. Hall's apartment, talked to him for like half an hour, and they're like, well, let's do it, let's go, we're ready. And so I think just having that story and letting the time pass so that everyone is ready and has kind of sat with it. And, you know, like they keep saying, like one of the most important things was they had to wait for Harrison, his kid to grow up because he was just like a little boy at that time. And now he's a teenager. Um, And that was really critical to the show. So having that time was really important, but, you know, I think there's a lot of ways, like you said, you know, there's a lot of shows that didn't get the finales they deserved and really broke audiences. <laughs> so it, to
0: boil down yeah. your point, if you haven't seen the show, this is your plea to check it out. And if you have and haven't wanted to revisit it, this is your plea to do so.
1: Absolutely. I, I would say so. I think it is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Like, wow. I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV just because I, I have a hard time getting attached to stuff like that. Um, so when a show does hook me, I know like, oh, this is fucking high quality. Right. Um, right, right. And this show has always had its hooks in me.
0: Right. Fair enough. You have. You, I've heard you. All right. <laughs> I've heard you. See, for someone like me in my role with all the new shit coming out, it's so hard to go backwards. Yeah. But if I do carve out the time this show will get a fair shot. All right, let's move to some quick hitters before we head to a break. All right, but this is a show that I'm fascinated by. James Gunn's Peacemaker, which is not something I really cared about, uh, currently has a 91% Rotten Tomatoes score. That Mm. is quite high. I didn't give a shit about this project at all, but because it's being heralded for its subversiveness with James Gunn, you come Mm. to expect... But not only is it subverting superhero tropes, but like Americana tropes, I'm kind of down for that. Marvel films, including Venom, accounted for 30% of 2021's North American box office return, which is quite a lot. Daniel Craig had the idea for how James Bond's fate would wind up in No Time to Die back in 2006. Long story short. He was basically like he was talking to uh, Barbara Broccoli, who's like the James Bond steward and was like, hey, can we kill this guy once I'm done with my run? And she was like, yes. And this was 15 (laughs) years ago. So they stuck to it. There will be no, this one cracks me up. There will be no celebrity presenters at this year's Golden Golden Globes as none have agreed to take part. Which is just fucking amazing. What's going on? (laughs) Uh, Chris Evans to play Hollywood legend Gene Kelly in an untitled film that is based on an original idea from him about a twelve-year-old boy who works on the MGM lot in 1952 and begins to create an imagined friendship with the famed star. That's cool. Uh, I don't know who Gene Kelly is. I I mean, (laughs) like I've heard of his name, but I don't know what he's done. But hey. Chris Evans, original movie, sure. As I touched on before, the Hawkeye finale was watched by 1.3 million households in its first five days, which is the lowest for a Disney plus MCU show so far. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest and tracks with what I was saying, which was that I was largely underwhelmed by it. Conversely, I thought the finale was the best one of the lot. Furthermore, the book of Boba Fett, which you and I have are not speak for UK, but I have been underwhelmed by so far. Sure. The premiere was watched by 1.7 million households in its first five days, which is 13% higher than the Hawkeye debut. Gal Gadot admitted that the celebrity cover of Imagine, <laughs> quote, wasn't the right thing and in the and in poor taste. And as I wrote on a blog for our site, I give someone credit to admit when they look like a moron, but when you look like Gal Gadot, that's probably not so hard to do. Uh <laughs> because she's fucking gal Godot. And then finally, the last piece, Uncharted, released a first full clip from its yeah. film, uh featuring one of the game's more iconic scenes. I have not watched the clip yet. Cade, you have go off.
1: Yeah, um, so I've been really skeptical of this movie for a long time. I, I covered this movie for fucking years because it's been this thing that's in development for so long, right? But um now to see it finally happening and like even the trailers is like not so sure about this. i agree i agree um this clip i was like you know what this may be all right like it's it's uh it, we'll see if it lives up to the legacy of the uncharted ip but at least i think i'll be like this will be a watchable and fun movie um what i hate is when action movies have the quick cuts you know mm-hmm. this movie looks like it's going to let it's action play a little bit more and it won't be disorienting so um it looks fun i'm excited to see it when next month right so yeah that's that you touched on
0: my biggest complaint about the nolan batman films the first two in particular by the time the third one came out he finally seemed to learn yeah the cuts were so quick you couldn't see the fighting nope so i yeah i I am on the same page entirely all right we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we will be recapping the book of Boba Fett episode 2 and then talking about our top 5 most anticipated films of 2022. All right and we are back and we are discussing episode 2 of the book of Boba Fett titled The Tribes of Tatooine 52 minute long runtime which is significantly longer than the pilot. The episode begins with Boba Fett interrogating the assassin that Fennec captured in the first one, the 8D8, 8D8. They do not make these names easy, even when it's a fucking droid. (laughs) The 8D8 droid reveals that the assassin is from the Order of the Nightwind and will not talk because they fear no man. Paule. It just made me think of pirates for for some reason. (laughs) Um... Fennec then suggests perhaps he'll fear the rancor, giving us our first trapdoor usage of the season. The assassin relents and admits that he was sent by the mayor. However, as it turns out, the rancor isn't even there. Fennec and Boba then head out to visit said mayor in Mos Espa. Quick note as far as my research tells me, this is the first. Reference to the Order of the Nightwind in Star Wars lore. So they're a new um, faction. Okay. Uh, if I'm wrong, add us at post-cred Pod. Let me sneeze first, I think. Okay. It's a phantom sneeze. <laughs> I felt it. But <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Let me just start by saying that. And I would imagine that you're going to say the same. I definitely like this more than the first one. Oh, by
1: miles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's largely due for me, at least to the past timeline. Action scenes that we'll mm-hmm. chat about in a bit, but still, and especially considering that there's only six of these, right? It's not like it's a, it's not like oh, it's right. yeah, Mando, which is 10. And granted, this is supposed to be a mini series, not an ongoing show. So I'll give them the slack in that regard, but still, given how short the show is, next week is the half point, we're halfway Jesus. done. And I just still find it to be too meandering and slow. Now, while I understand the pacing is very Western-esque, like life in the desert would be slow, Mm -hmm. far too little is occurring in the present day timeline to justify why it exists at all. And I would say that this opening epitomizes my problems with the show so far, right? Even so, even more so than Mando, this has been a blatant nostalgia play. Absolutely. Yes. Which again, like I'm not, that is the world that we live in. They reboot <laughs> They reboot Batman every five years. I'm not yeah. going to hate on them for trying to cash in on a character that people like. But here's the problem, right? They pretty much ask you in this first scene, hey, remember the Rancor? He's yeah. pretty cool, right? And you're like, you know what? he is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the rancor. Give me the fucking rancor. Let's do it. But then they pull the rug out from under you. So it's like they're giving you a nostalgia placebo without even giving you the real drug. They yeah, absolutely. hint at bringing you back to the old times without even actually doing it. So I think to myself, once that once uh, Fennec says, perhaps he will fear the rancor, I'm like, dope. They're finally trapdooring someone. Right. Only for them to trapdoor me. And that, to me, is sort of the issue with this show so far. You need to, if you're going to make this a blatant cash grab, which, again, <laughs> I'm fine with. I understand that that is the nature of the world that we're in. But you have to give us the hit of that blue magic, right? Absolutely. I need that pure Walter White uncut and not a chopped down, diluted version, which is what they've given us so far.
1: Yeah, I uh I was really like I thought it 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 was funny, but I'm like, oh God, Star Wars is subverting our expectations again. We know what happens when that happens uh that's and the last
0: jedi bangs let it be known
1: all right well we'll have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> I, I i don't hate that movie but i i definitely do not think it's like the best thing ever like some people do but I, I'm no not i mean it's like, oh, no it, it, it's no rogue
0: one it's no yeah, rogue one we'll I'll, put it like
1: that i'll go with that yeah um but yeah the uh i was like okay this is cute but it was weird i was like it seems like if you're gonna do it, you might as well just do it. I don't know, but it's it's whatever now I
0: recall the original rancor died in return, which they could lean on sure, but come on, man, just get a fucking new one and have him eat that dude's head. you know what yeah, I mean even yeah. if it gets him to admit the truth regardless and he doesn't attack, he's got to be back there. I just yeah. felt this was such a cheap moment of bait and switch uh, and it really really bothered me. Once they find out the truth about who sent the uh, what the fuck was it called again? Order of the Nightwind Killer to come <laughs> kill them. Boba and the gang go to confront Mokshaiz, who I'm still not sure if I'm saying it right at this point. Who immediately has the Nightwind assassin killed, which I thought was kind of cool, to be fair. Shai's thanks Boba Fett for turning him in and gives him a reward, which Boba then says, you know, you owed me this in the first place, so thank you. The mayor further insists that he did not send the assassin and encourages Boba to go to Garza Whip, my girl, her bar. Uh, they show up on a clearly nervous Garza, which harkens back to the point I made last week where I found I was skeptical of how welcoming she was at right. first. A clearly nervous whip informs Boba that the twins have laid claim to Jabba the Hutt's throne. At this point, a distant drum beat can then be heard and the Hutt twins can be seen being carried into town. They tell Boba they have business to discuss and believe that Jabba's former territory is now theirs, not Boba's. And unveil, and this is a tough one,
1: <laughs> oh, Black
0: Crossetan. Mm. All right. And I That's look pretty at this, good pronunciation. And I like looked this up phonetically. Okay. Good. Black Crossitan, who is a Wookiee bounty hunter, which is just <laughs> such a fucking IP mouthful garbage. How did they fucking come up with
1: this shit? I, I, I just don't know.
0: So quick brief on him via decider. First introduced in 2015, Star Wars 15 written by Jason Aaron and art by Mike Mayhew. Since then, he's become one of the most feared bounty hunters in the galaxy and has had dozens of appearances in Marvel's Star Wars comics, working for Jabba the Hutt as a bounty hunter, tussling with Obi-Wan in his first few years of hiding out on Tatooine and even kidnapping Luke Skywalker's uncle, Owen Lars. Later, he worked for none other than Darth Vader before teaming up with another comic fan favorite who has yet to make a live action debut, Doctor Afra. Again, probably fucked that one up. So Black Cross Tan, who is also called Black K, which is what we will be calling him going forward as sort of a threat. However, the Hutts decide not to take violent action and tell Boba to sleep lightly. Fennec then says in a very sort of gangster godfather-esque vibe that if they want to kill the huts they are going to need permission first from who we don't know
1: do you think this this Wookiee will show up in the obi-wan series that's Cause, interesting because yeah. of the stuff in the comics it says
0: i more saw him as like a final battle for Fett in this show right but then killing him doesn't sound like a continuity well, you, thing that they yeah, would yeah, be you willing
1: still- to do back because like this all takes place after that right right so, right. you're absolutely right so uh, probably
0: yes uh here is another problem that i have with the show that sort of ties into my first problem right they're teasing conflict instead of giving it to us yes
1: absolutely. the huts
0: show up and you're like boba is about to fight this badass wookie like yeah let's fucking go i'm hyped on this but then they change their minds and bounce right mm-hmm. And I understand plot arcs and building up <laughs> hype and all right. that. But as I said, next week is the halfway point, and Boba in the main timeline has essentially done nothing nope. except wander around town and find out that the huts have tried to have him killed. That's all he's done in over, in close, over or close to an hour and a half of show is yeah. literally walk around town. So finally, they tease, and this is why... Last week, I said it's smart for them to have the past timeline and current day timeline occur each week because right now I'm more invested in the past timeline Shame. than I am in the current day. But finally, you get a moment where it's like, all right, we're going to get to see a true set piece here and they just fuck off. And that to me is just frustrating.
1: Yeah, it's um, I get it. Like you kind of sometimes you have stuff like that where a gang comes in like, this is our territory, buddy. And then they <laughs> fuck off or whatever. So like, I get it. But at the same time, like, this is the second episode. I should feel what the conflict is here. And I I do, but I haven't seen enough of it to be like, okay, shit's the ball is rolling now. It feels like, what does he do next? He has to go talk to them. Is that going to be the entirety of the next episode at this point? Because mm-hmm. that's what it feels like it would be because of the way they've been pacing this out is like, We'll spend, you know, 15 minutes of him talking with them or whatever, and then we'll bounce back to the past. And that's where the rest of the episode will take place. whatever. yeah, yeah. I'm just like, "Eh, I'm not totally vibing with that. And Um, the structure,
0: while I have been commending it so far, it shows you that they knew that their current day storyline was not deep enough. Correct. Um, And that's a self-admission that they don't have enough story to tell
1: yes it seems like a, a weird thing um because like i don't know i don't know what the split is on this but it, it definitely feels like the because uh, instead of uh, bouncing back and forth like it did last episode it's like first half is all in present and then the second half is like all in the past right like it doesn't flash back and forth uh as much so i was like that's interesting and it feels like more of the episode takes place in the past you know yeah. uh-huh. it's
0: weird yeah, which is why I said I would have preferred to see this story unfold in Mando season three because sure. it would have provided a nice break from what's going on in the main storyline and wouldn't have felt as cheap, right? right? Boba was a character in that show. They could have kept him in there, mm-hmm. had him pal along with Mando, which would have been dope, and mm-hmm. then filled in where, what he's been up to along the way. Yeah. One more quick point, and I'm sure Star Wars mega fans will know. I need to know why the huts have any power, right? Do they come from an incredibly rich power, rich planet? Like, why do they have servants? Why do people <laughs> listen to what they say? They are probably they're the most fat fucks. They're you know? the most, exactly. They're the most <laughs> easily killable creatures I've ever seen in the franchise. So I don't understand where their longstanding power comes from at all.
1: Yeah. Um, something that also, when I saw these guys show up, because I was like actually really surprised, but I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Um, was I remember like so? Like, obviously, everyone knows Java, and that's Mm -hmm. the one and only hut that most people know. And then I was thinking about, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there are more of them because uh, I was thinking of um, the Clone Wars movie, Mm -hmm. uh, the The OG, yeah, um, had a like baby hut in it, the original baby Yoda, I guess you could say. (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, yeah, I guess there are more of these things. I wonder if that guy will come into play because he or she i don't remember what it was uh is probably old enough to be alongside these these two uh because that was like obviously during the prequel era so maybe maybe we see that character come back i don't know yeah
0: that seems to be the only card that they have left that's that feels harsh to say but right now it feels like (laughs) It feels like we're watching to see what other characters they loop in, not because we're invested in this story. Yes. Uh, Boba then recharges in his back the pod, taking us back to the early days when he was with the Tusken Raiders once again, where he's being taught how to use their sort of staff, which I think is really, really fucking cool, to be fair, before the tribe is fired upon by a passing by train. During nightfall, Boba asks for a gun and a stick to go stop said train. As the Sons of Space Anarchy are roughing up some civilians on the bar cart, Boba rolls through to whoop some ass, save the day, and hijack their, and this is a real word, swoop bikes. (laughs) Nice. Swoop (laughs) Uh, Boba explains that they will use the swoop bikes to stop the train and then teaches the Raiders how to use the bikes. And what I thought was a pretty enjoyable sort of comic montage. Uh, then we get a classic Western train heist that ensues while successful. Tons of the Raiders die in the process. And I thought it was odd how like they, like they lose hella members all the time but nobody ever talks
1: about it either. Like, like oh we lost Billy today oh well <laughs> just, uh, the dangers of living in tattooing you yeah know, some yeah. kid comes into the lightsaber and starts fucking you up you never know it's just how it goes
0: since that day it's been all uphill from there like, we've lived <laughs> through the worst of the worst yeah. so it can only get better from here Uh where am I so Boba then speaks to the leader of the train leader of the train and asks if he's carrying spice the leader tries to lie about it and gets caught Caught red-handed immediately the leader of the train argues that they were just trying to protect their cargo but boba tells them these sands are no longer free for you to pass and spares them so they could return that warning to their criminal group the pike syndicate one note here i think these are the action sequence out standouts of the show so far both boba taking on the gang with the stick and train heist at large you know i think if you're gonna have a show moving at this slow of pace and a story in the present day that isn't going to move at all these uh flashbacks need to bang and so far they have
1: yeah um it gave me i said this on twitter and you retweeted it uh very mad max fury road vibes with the whole train heist because uh just like super quick. it had some like weird, like camera movements too, that I'm like, Oh, this feels like George Miller. Like it, it was really neat to watch that. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And uh, like you said, all these poor Tuscan Raiders just dying because of this fucking Boba Fett guy showed up. Like, and <laughs> it's just kind of dragging them into some shit, but,
0: but um, you could argue that they have probably been getting mowed down for, by this train for some time. Probably. And them the way to stop. them.
1: Very true um i also googled why the fets are so powerful or the huts are so powerful oh did you yeah 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 uh apparently it's because they live for such a long fucking time that like the crew pretty much yeah um and they they um apparently the fatter they are shows how rich they are because well, they that's a indulge. very old world thing yeah yeah, yeah. and and um Someone said also huts when they are not fat are actually very formidable. So, Oh, okay. Very interesting stuff here. All um, right. I'll take I, that. I yeah, just needed I like
0: someone that. to explain to me why everyone just respects these obese, disgusting creatures. Like, Hey, have you considered shooting them and not doing what they say? Yeah. <laughs> just, just a thought. Just a thought. All right. Surrounding a campfire, the Tuscan Raiders give Boba Fett a quote gift that will guide him. It's a lizard that then climbs into his brain. And will guide Boba from quote inside his head. And I put out a tweet saying that this reminded me of the scene in Training Day where Denzel is like, "I didn't know you like to get wet," and just sort of like surprise drugs him, (laughs) like surprise, you're high as shit now. (laughs) Um, Boba then trips out for a bit and makes his way to a tree in the middle of an ocean, which again, that's not really where he is, but that's right. what he's seeing, where a bunch of red-eyed voices speak to him, which I'm assuming are Jawas, I guess? Seems uh, like that, yeah. He then relives being trapped in the Starlak pit and watching his father, Django leave Camino on Slave 1. As I've touched on a few times, until they ramp up the present day plotline, Boba's time in the past is what I find myself enjoying the most, and that mm. is also similar... To Mando, the heavy Western samurai vibes were in. A lone warrior wanders a vast landscape, searching for purpose. That's a tried and true arc for as long as storytelling has been around, at least as far as I know of it. And in this past timeline, I think they're doing it quite well.
1: Yeah, I uh, something I, I thought when I was watching this little dream sequence was like, this is weird as shit, and I love it because it feels kind of almost like. Um, more Lucas, you know, like mm. there's that that weird mythical stuff that he would embrace and even kind of Ryan Johnson had a little bit of that in the last Jedi. It, it was like weird to see this cuz it's like, I don't know, the Disney stuff has always been a little more not sanitized, I don't know if that's the right word,
0: lowest common denominator.
1: Sure. And this felt a little more zany. Uh, yeah it, it was interesting and i was like i appreciate that they did something this bizarre mm-hmm. um and interesting and like i said i i i said this last time but i i really think we're going to learn more about boba fett's backstory just it keeps showing him as a child right. That i'm almost like what are you doing here what is the revelation that we're going to to oh, have yeah yeah
0: Okay, to wrap up, chapter two, the next morning, a weary Boba Fett returns from his spiritual journey, and the lizard leaves his brain. Boba has returned with a branch, which they will then use to make him his own Tusken staff, which, again, I think is fucking cool, because it could... Bring on two very different, yet equally severe types of damage, right? You could just impale the fuck out of somebody. Yeah, yeah. You could just bash somebody's brains in. And it looks like a very sort of fluid type of staff. So into that vibe. The Raiders then cloak Boba in Tuscan garb. What we see him wearing when he first popped up in Mando. And over another campfire, the Tuscans perform a dance routine that sees Boba well and surely become a member of their tribe. Something that I wanted to touch on as we wrap up here and something that you brought up last week, the recontextualizing of hmm. Tuscan Raiders. I actually think this week worked for me a lot where they're talking Absolutely. about how outsiders from other worlds have taken over their land that have dominated them, technology that they don't have. Yeah. That gives you real insight into their way of life, something that Absolutely. they haven't done before and something that does truly reshape how you felt about them, yeah. not in a cheap way, in a, oh, I totally get it now. Like they're, yeah. they're like, you know, the natives, they're so the so, so, tattooing
1: yeah. natives. So I really kind of enjoy that. Thoughts, Cade? That's really you kind of summarized all of it. It's just like uh it, it's it's been a good exploration of the Star Wars universe I would I would say. Like I don't so much care about Boba Fett maybe, but uh getting that insight into um the Tusken Raiders and and showing what they're all about and exploring the huts as a general clan is really cool. Um you know where it goes we don't know, but uh just getting also I, I feel like well, this isn't Mos Eisley or anything, right? So uh, but like when we see Tatooine in like uh a new hope, it doesn't look as big and booming as as this. Like when you have that um uh well the city though
0: that we're seeing right now in the yeah. show is most Espa, it's a different one.
1: Yeah. But like, still, I never would have thought like, oh, this is actually like a huge, like kind of booming part of this planet. I thought it was just all desert and shit. Like (laughs) I thought thought it was. And I would not blame
0: you for feeling that way at all, because
1: that is largely
0: what it is. And then one last note on this week, I think Boba's journey with the Raiders is going to go one of two ways. Right. As I said last week, and I think it's clear at this point, his time with them is going to inform the version of him that we're seeing now right like he was a bounty hunter but now every time we see him in the current day timeline he's trying to let everyone know that that's not who he is now so whatever he learns on this journey is impacting who he is now which Mm -hmm. is to say part of me thinks that something terrible is going to happen to this clan
1: Yes, yes. But Another Uh,
0: route that could take is they could also come and save his ass at the last moment. Either way, they're clearly outlining that his experience with this previously thought of as barbaric tribe is not only teaching us more about who they were, Mm. but taught him to such an extent that he became an entirely new guy. And that is largely what I've been enjoying about this show the most. How the past timeline is informing The Boba Fett character that we've come to know
1: now yeah I I agree Uh, I I wonder kind of you know how I'll feel by the end but so far like so good like it's as much as I could have asked for I had really low expectations in the first place you know so I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting much from it so so far so good is it going to be better than Mando probably not but um, I think it is um, maybe I still don't know if it was a story worth telling uh, but for something to watch every Wednesday. I'm digging
0: it. Yeah, well, and that's kind of my vibe too. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but I'm not a traditional Star Wars guy. I mean, I'm someone who parades around being like Rogue One and Mando are peak Star Wars, right? So I'm not a traditional Star Wars guy, but when it hits, it hits. This isn't hitting for me yet. And I have a lot of complaints about it. But at the same time, It's high quality IP content, baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to not watch it, you know? Absolutely. But what you brought up last week is a good point. I think a lot of people are going to do this. They're probably just going to wait until it's all out and then just watch it once.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: All right. So that'll do for our Book of Boba Fett chat now because it is our first episode of 2022. We are going to talk about our top five most anticipated films of the year. So, Cade, we're going to
1: start from five and work our way up. All right? Okay. All right, so why don't you get us started? All right, I would say my number five movie, I'm stalling before I can find my list. All right, uh, Knives Out 2 is uh, oh! probably my Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. We don't really know much about it, um, but we know it's going to Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no release date yet, just 2022, I believe. Sometime, um, I think. Yeah, probably. That would make the most sense. It looks like, it sounds like a summery movie. Um the the cast on this movie is fucking insane. You got Daniel Craig, of course, Daniel, uh, Dave Batista, Ed Norton. I think it looks like Catherine Hans in this. Kate yep. Hudson. Fucking uh, Ethan Hawke is like cameoing or something. Crazy gas. Ryan Johnson and Craig got the bag to do it. Too. Dude, so much money. Those guys never need to work again if they don't want to. like i'm I'm sure maybe they have some sort of royalty plan worked out too. I have to imagine I don't know how that works on Netflix, but God, this movie's gonna ooze money. and uh just like it it's it's so exciting to be returning to that world because, I saw the first one and I'm like, I love this. Love it. Didn't yeah. actually think they were ever going to make more. I'm like, this seems like a one-off, but they're like, now we can make at least three. And I'm like, fucking give it to me. Well, Cause um, it's
0: a new story each time.
1: So. Yeah. It's like the better version of what, uh, uh, Death on the yeah, Nile. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, give me these original, exciting little stories. And I love Daniel Craig and his weird southern accent that he does. Oh, he's so good. And it's just. <laughs> It's so fun. And And this is also the
0: first case of Netflix buying an IP off of somebody else to try to launch their own tentpole franchise, right? Like been trying to build them from scratch, have largely failed at times. Like The Witcher have hit home runs, but this is the first time that they're taking someone else's work and being like, this shit's ours now. Yeah. Uh, My number five is Lightyear. Um, It's hitting theaters Friday, June 17th. And here's my spiel on it. The reason I'm so hyped for this film is twofold. First and foremost, I love space flicks, space TV shows, space adventures, space horror, space romance. It's my favorite genre. And if you look through the projects in said genre, I'd argue it's pound for pound the strongest. Because the hits are bangers. And the ones that aren't that good, they still have redeeming qualities to them. Like, I'm someone who thinks Armageddon is fucking incredible, right? So... (laughs) But the second part of that is Pixar's proven ability to elicit emotion from everyone, from kids to grown-ups. So when you combine the vastness of space and what that does to your feelings, combine with Pixar being able to draw those feelings out of you, regardless that this is again sort of a very blatant IPification of a beloved story. This is the origin story for the Buzz Lightyear toy, which. Sounds like such garbage when you say it out loud. Right. But on the surface value, a journey of a man in space trying to find his place in the vast galaxy is a t- is a tried and true story. When you Pixarify that shit, it probably only ramps that up tenfold. So Excellent. and then one more point, I think that soul is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. But is it a Pixar rubber stamp classic? I'm not so sure. And in that respect, if you look at their films over the last five to ten years, I'm not sure they've had a Pixar true classic since 2017's Coco or 2015's Inside Out. Yeah. And I think that this film, if it hits the right space notes, which I think that it will, and stays away from the IPification as much as it can and truly mm-hmm. becomes a man in a space story, I think that it has the potential
1: to be a true Pixar classic. I would say so. I I'm not big on Toy Story four. I'm not big on Incredibles two. And again, like a lot of the other Pixar movies, haven't really hit for me. Finding like, Dory,
0: yeah. uh, on, Onward, which is okay, but you know,
1: all fine. But yeah, but yeah. nothing that I'm like, oh yeah, Pixar, you're making bangers again. Like it's just not doing it. But this looks like really cool and really special. And oh yeah, a the, more mature, I guess. The trailer was fire as well. So yeah. arcade, right, Cade, you're for uh the Gray Man, another Netflix oh, movie. You're yeah. Oh, you're killing it. Yeah uh this one has uh ryan gosling and that that also has chris evans right don't and
0: on a which which is-
1: <laughs> as you would say would i just forgot we, <laughs> we gotta put it out there um the uh the gray man um is like another russo brothers movie they don't they're not directing it as, no, far I think as they are. oh they are they are yes i'm sorry um it is this weird like cia movie or something like there's again Netflix is very keen on like just not sharing details about their fucking movies ahead of time. And so like you well, see the this, first trailer. This is based on a book as well. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I just like the Russo brothers. I know some people have their qualms with that and uh, they got Marcus. You watched M- Cherry? Yeah, I did. I heard it was terrible. It's not great, but, okay. <laughs> but I'm like, it's a, uh, it's an outlier. whatever. We'll forget about it. But uh, they got Marcus and McFeely back as screenwriters who did you know, all of their Marvel movies with them. Um, so that's really exciting. And just the cast is awesome. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Day de Armas. Um, it, it sounds awesome. And, you and know, more.
0: It's a huge it's cast. It's a huge
1: cast. Uh, yeah. it, it's an exciting movie just because I like Ryan Gosling. And he hasn't made a movie Sam. since like, First Man. And uh, I think I he's one
0: of the truly great
1: A-list stars that Absolutely. we have absolutely like great and, in terms
0: of this man could fucking act
1: yeah he he kills it every time and he's not doing anything crazy necessarily but he just he has a charisma and a charm but he also can tap into some subtle emotion which i mm-hmm. really appreciate about him. you see that in first man um he he does not miss and um he he's really good at picking scripts too uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that he hasn't done a movie in a while is really uh noteworthy i feel like so for him to be like, this is the one I kind of want to come back with, right? Very exciting to
0: me, right? And I'm sure he got a fat check to do it as well, but yeah, I mean, as a budget of this. 200
1: million, so Oof. it's it's the most expensive movie by Netflix today. Yeah,
0: and I think you know, I mean, director, cast, story combined, it should be their biggest hit of all time. It should Absolutely. be. All right, my number four is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, hitting theaters on May 6th. We've talked about this film a lot on this show, so I don't really need to dive in. As I've said a few times, Doctor Strange is my favorite MCU character. Not only do I think his powers are dope, but I think that he's a linchpin to the multiversal chaos that not only the MCU, but the comic book genre at large seems to be going towards. The promotion for this has already confirmed evil Doctor Strange and Defender Strange. So strange. Which which is (laughs) which is, you know, I'm always for variants to use an MCU term, butting heads against themselves. Like the evil twin thing, right? That has been a story arc for as long as (laughs) time. But it remains fascinating. So having different versions of the same guy go head to head is cool to me. I think that the potential arrival of not arrival, but factoring in of old. X-Men characters or whoever is a very exciting prospect. And then I also think that this film, unlike many MCU films, could have irrevocable consequences of the MCU at large. That is sort of what I think where this film could head. And if you look at like something like, let's say, let's just go off the top, right? Eternals, Shang-Chi, they were huge, but in terms of the story of the MCU, nothing changed. They didn't make a ripple at all. Mm-hmm. Multiverse of Madness, if they're brave enough, genuinely could.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a movie that's um, going to probably be a game changer for the MCU. I would say in terms of where they go next, um, and will probably set the stage for a lot of what's to come. So it's an exciting movie, and again, it's another one we we don't really know much about. But uh, I am I'm eagerly awaiting it, and I'm very disappointed they delayed it because uh, now I just have to wait longer. But sorry.
0: Batman and Doc Strange in the same month. I may have just evaporated <laughs> it into a 4D yeah, being. all
1: right, Cade, you're you're three. Um, don't worry, darling. Uh, oh which is, my god. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh this is uh Olivia Wilde's next movie, and obviously she did uh Book Smart. Uh, which was wonderful. And this is like a completely different kind of movie. That was a comedy and like a coming of age movie. And this is like a psychological, like a psychological thriller. thriller, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the premise says it's an unhappy housewife in the 1950s, discovers a uh, disturbing truth while her loving husband hides a dark secret. So that's incredibly cryptic. Yeah, But um, apparently a bunch of studios, 18 studios, were in a bidding war over this movie wow. when it was in development. So that, that seems notable. This movie sounds really interesting. And the, that brief teaser they released was like mm-hmm. super excited. Harry Styles is back after Dunkirk. We haven't seen him in anything besides Eternals. I guess. Eternals, yeah. Um, I so, will say,
0: though, real quick, before you join the pod and before he got himself into more shit, I am, I was a Shia LaBeouf stan and I was rooting for the Shia comeback. And this was one of the movies where it's like, my dog is fucking back, but he got booted off of it. So, oh, right. Yeah. styles his role was supposed to be shy and i was like dude fuck he's really back but that would have been it then it came out once again that he's an absolute maniac so that's been nipped. it's uh, it's really
1: good styles is legitimately good so absolutely and you know we haven't really had a lot of time to see him stretch his acting muscles he's really great in dunkirk um, but I think no one just does a good job of putting people in a fucking crazy space and just goes bombs, explosions, gunshots. Right. And you're just like, ah, how can you not be scared? Right. Um, and so, it's got Chris
0: Pine from the brief shot yeah. that we saw looking like a fucking sicko. So
1: absolutely. So this movie is gonna Who, be like
0: as we say crazy. on this pod, is actually the
1: best Chris. I would say so. As well, So oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, All right.
0: My number three is a little film called Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, yeah. while it doesn't have an official release date yet, and was originally supposed to go into production before the pandemic hit, it got delayed, blah, blah, blah. But filming wrapped in October 2021, which leads you to believe it will be a holiday season awards bait release date. All I have to say about this film is it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, who are teaming up for the first time since Marvin's Room and the first time ever in a Scorsese film, which is awesome, considering that they've both been his muse at different times in his career. And also stars Jesse Plemons, who in the main role, as far as I could tell. Great come up from him. It is a murder thriller about 1920s. Oklahoma, the Osage Indian tribe are getting murdered left and right because they are on valuable oil land. Leo plays the nephew of De Niro, who is largely suspected to be the killer. I'm all in on this.
1: Absolutely, they're the best. Like, just and this scary. is based
0: on a true story.
1: Yeah. So, and he he does well with those kind of stories. Like Silence is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. that's a great movie, underrated Martin Scorsese movie in my opinion. Never seen it. Oh, you should. It's it's great. It's a slow burn, but it's. It's worth it in the end. Right. Um, well, so, how yeah.
0: about you watch reloaded and I'll watch <laughs> that at the same time? All
1: right, sounds good. My number two is uh across the spider-verse. Oh, um, okay.
0: Part one, part one,
1: yeah. Um, I'm very excited for this just because I love Spider-Man and Spider-Verse is awesome. I mean, like there's really not much that needs to be said <laughs> beyond that, like it's just like that's exciting. I was worried that we wouldn't get a sequel because people were not like it. It did okay, but like it didn't have the huge box office legs that but culture Spider-Man
0: wise was. it was culture a wise. it was
1: a yeah, it was an unbelievable head. And that's I mean, kind of what got it
0: there. People genuinely say it's the best Spider-Man film ever made.
1: Yeah. And you know, I don't Spider-Man 2 is my favorite, but Spider-Verse is probably in my top two, three. So yeah. like yeah uh it's absolutely worth it and um I, i'm curious what you know ideas that they had to hold back on because of various reasons um we'll make it into this one because we've seen spider-man 2099 with oscar isaac um and i'm sure there's going well, to be was he in the first shit. one post credit scene
0: oh shit i never even saw that I yeah a, i got it oh okay okay yeah Oh, yep. my dumbass! Uh, okay, <laughs> my number two is a Brad Pitt double feature. After winning Hell the yeah. Academy Award for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019, our boy is back. I'd venture to say that Brad Pitt is my favorite movie star of my lifetime. And on Thank July 15th, as we talked about uh, at the top, he has Bullet Train, which unreal stack cast, coming from a director, David Leach, who has a proven track record of epic action set pieces and it will also be the first film to be marketed as starring Oscar winner Brad Pitt awesome that's me hyped the second despite all I just said I'm probably more hyped for and that is Damien Chazelle's Babylon which tells the story of Hollywood in the late 1920s was making the switch from silent films to sound films Mm -hmm. and I think the most important piece of this is I mean chazelle has been a blue chip ever since he began right his films are fantastic but if you think about the performances that he gets out of people he has under his belt a jk simmons win for best supporting for whiplash an emma stone win for best actress in la la land a ryan gosling nomination for that same film and while gosling didn't get the nom for first man which is even more of a joke when you consider that Rami Malek won that year. Fucking bullshit. He, he, Oscar's absolu- he absolutely deserved one. I mean, you watch that film and his quiet intensity is so consuming. And point being is that it's hard to imagine this film not containing two excellent award-worthy turns from both Brad Pitt and co-star Margot Robbie, which those two names combined, this director, this story, the prestige of it all, this to me is one of the more slept on films coming out this year, probably because it's not coming out until December twenty fifth, which yeah. is basically twenty twenty-three,
1: but it's stuck <laughs> in just enough yeah. for this list, baby. Plus Toby Maguire. <laughs> your boy. So, so I, all you need to know. I mean, come back he's, he's, comeback season for Toby. He's back. Um, yeah. So and he's I'm a producer
0: on this as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it sounds cool.
1: about right. Um yeah, I mean, La La Land should have won the Oscar that year. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, that movie's going to bang. Yeah. Um, so we're on your two or your one? My one. Um, Mission Impossible 7. Wow, um, interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Fallout, one of like the most awesome movies I've ever seen in my life. Where absolutely. I was like, sitting in the theater. I'm just like, I can't believe this is a real movie. And... Mm-hmm everything we've seen from like the behind the scenes, like pictures of like paparazzi, just like he's jumping a bike off of a mountain. Why? Like, what is he doing? And- or
0: that train. Yeah. He's or on the a train. train. Doing to- yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: And then I think recently, I think this one's for eight, but he was like flying a plane upside or someone was flying a plane upside down while he was outside of it, trying to get in or something. I'm like, you're, what is going on but i'm not human he's not human and that's why we love him you know that's that scientology juice really gets him going and we we love it you know i it's it's all right so i'm super excited for that those movies especially the more recent ones like from three onwards just also have really good stories i just i'm always engrossed Mm -hmm. by them um Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm very eager for that um I also have a quick honorable mention for Avatar 2. I don't oh. really love Avatar I'm gonna 1. I'm going to have to
0: find but... the new co-host again, I guess.
1: <laughs> I don't love Avatar 1. I, 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 Truth be told, I didn't see it in the movie theater. I've only watched it one time uh, on DVD or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm like, James Cameron does some crazy shit. It so took like, him
0: 10 plus years to do it. So it, so better, it better be worth it, be right? Yeah. Like
1: fucking blowing my mind, like jizzing in the theater. Do you so actually bright.
0: think it comes out this year? Do you really think it happens?
1: I think so. I don't think it's coming out. If it, if it moved to December 2023, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing now? Because like, yeah. uh, I, I think it has to come out. this. He year claims
0: filming is done.
1: Yeah. And I think that they're already like working on like, three like they're pretty deep into three so I think it's ready to go um we'll probably see a trailer for it by the summertime I imagine maybe with Doctor Strange
0: yeah our old co-host Brandon Katz tweeted that if it is really going to come out in December the perfect time to tease it would be during the Super Bowl which I think is quite smart but I don't believe that James Cameron has enough footage to show because similar to morbius i'm not convinced that this film is real (laughs) but that's neither here nor there my number one film if you have tuned into this podcast should come as no surprise it is also the soonest to release of both of our lists i believe and that is the batman matt reeves directed film comes out on march 4th i have elaborated on my love for this character quite a bit on this show last week we talked about why you and i both think that this film could legitimately be the greatest batman film of all time if you want to hear those thoughts go back and check that out i am not going to regurgitate it again i will just say whether the joker shows up or not i'm hyped regardless and we will leave it at that my friend
1: yeah i uh i completely agree that i i, I tried to make my list different than yours otherwise it probably would have been pretty smart, identical. Smart. But, you
0: had some banger picks
1: that as you saw yeah. like, caught me off guard. Like, those Don't are, worry,
0: darling. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, those book. are
1: genuine movies that I'm really excited for. Yeah. So I'm like, this does not get a compromise whatsoever. It's going to be
0: a great year. Hopefully, Morbius is not a I sign know. of things to come <laughs> in terms of delays. <laughs> if you want more Post-Gred Pod content, follow us at Post-Gred Pod on Twitter. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. My name is if Max, you write a miss miss review miss. and roast us in it, we'll read it on the show. Follow my friend, Cade, Cade underscore under follow me Eric Italiano and we will talk to you all next week peace